Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. What do you really know about God? Now, I think if we actually take the average person, they don't even need to be Christian, but if you take the average person and say, what do you know about God? What is God like? I think we'd get a whole range of different answers. What is God like? Well, he is very old. He is very old. And he exclusively wears sandals. (laughs) Do you know why you're laughing? Because that's what you thought about In your imagination, he wears a toga. He wears a toga. He wears sandals. How many of you pictured God with a beard? Come on, be honest. Like, some of you are lying right now. You belong to the cheetah family. Like, I mean, here's here's the thing. I think, to be honest, most people picture uh, uh, God with with a long beard and his hair is always white. He's all, even though he can control time and space, and he's, his hair is white, I don't know why, but it is. And the truth is, is that you have no idea that that's what God really looks like. Just turn to the person next to you with a little bit of attitude and say, you have no idea. Do it right now. You have no idea about what God looks like in case you were trying to slip something under the radar there as you talk to your spouse. So... so the thing is, is that we, some of you get it later. The thing is, the thing is, is that we often we have no idea what God really looks like. But there are some things that we do know about Him. And, and when I looked at the questions that were written, and there were so many questions really about God, right? No one said, "Oh, could you please tell us how holy God is?" Nobody said that. Tell us about the holiness of God. Nobody said, we would love to know the extent of his wisdom and his power. No one answered any question or asked any questions like that. In fact, all the questions that were asked were exclusively around how God interacts with people. In other words, the questions that people mostly wanted to know was how is God likely to interact with me? How does he do relationships with people? How is he likely to respond to me in this circumstance? And how is he going to respond in that circumstance? And I think that often... If we ever want to discover why God created something or the origin of anything, one of my favorite places to go is the book of Genesis. Because the word literally means origins. It means beginnings. And so we can look at the book of Genesis and start to discover what God originally planned and intended. All right. So today in this message, I'm going to be just a little bit teacher-like and explain some of these things. Now, many of you would know, I think everybody in the room would probably know, in the book of Genesis, that God created the heavens and the earth, right? So he created everything, and then he made what he classed as the pinnacle of his creation, which was people. And he started with one person and added another. Their names are Adam and Eve. And he created them and placed them in the garden, 
Now, when God did this, he said to them, I'm placing you in the garden. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. Uh, I want you to subdue the earth. These these are the things that I, I want you to do. But then he also gave them a list of rules about how to interact with their environment. In other words, he said, you can eat from any tree. You can eat anything that's here. But there is one tree I don't really want you to go near. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I don't want you to eat the fruit of that tree. Now, when we start to talk about how God set up their relationship, right? We would use a word to describe that relationship that God had with his people. And the word we would use to describe that is a word covenant. A word covenant. And if you have ever been to a wedding that I have done... And a lot of you have. I always take the time to describe what a covenant is so that people fully understand it. Because the truth is, is that we don't often use that word these days. So a covenant is like a promise. It's like an agreement. And people can enter into covenants with each other. Uh, you, would, you can read about this. Uh, even in the Old Testament, the kings would enter into covenants with each other. People can enter into a covenant with God. That's what happens, by the way, when people get married. They enter into a covenant with God. And here's how a covenant works. It's kind of like a promise, but it's so much more more significant and so much more serious in a covenant other than a promise, right? And so when a covenant is formed, generally there are two parties, okay? And there is always a superior and an inferior person in the covenant agreement. And it works kind of like this. The superior person, be it the king or be it God or whoever it is, they always set the terms and the conditions of a covenant agreement. Now, the inferior person person, should they be willing to enter into that covenant agreement, they can either agree or they can disagree, but they can't negotiate and they can't change the terms and the conditions of that covenant agreement. Now, now I'm talking to you all about this word covenant, and I am taking the time to explain to you all about covenant because I'm about to make a point, and this point is so significant that if you are distracted right now and on Facebook, right, you are going to miss what is going to really set up the rest of this message. If you don't get the point that I'm about to make, the the whole rest of this message won't make sense to you. So if you're taking notes, you may want to underline it or asterisk it or something. And here it is. Every relationship that God has happens through the framework or doorway of covenant. Every relationship Because the question is, does God change? Well, to understand, you say, well, change from what? How does God change? Well, how does he interact? Well, all of his interaction, it happens through the doorway of covenant agreements, right? So if you look in the book of Genesis and you say, well, that's kind of funny because I've read that passage lots of times and I've never seen the word covenant. You know, come on, that's, that's true. The word covenant is not actually in there, but all the elements are still there. I mean, when you think about it, we've got two parties being people and God. There are a set of terms and conditions. There are things that people need to agree to and and, and things that they're not able to change. 
There are promises that can be accessed. And, and by the way, in a covenant agreement, God's blessings are always accessed through obedience. Okay, That's how you get blessed in your relationship with God is your obedience to him. And so if you start to look at the book of Genesis and how we set that whole relationship up with people, that's what happens. So, so where you obey God in a covenant agreement, you get blessings. But if you disobey God, then the covenant is broken. Let me tell you a little story. This is something that happened not even that, not, not very long ago. Sarah was out of the house. And I was at home with our three kids. And my kids came to me and they said to me, Dad, we know you got chocolate and we want some, Right? I said, we do not have chocolate. They said, yes, you do. And the three of them confronted me. It was like an intervention, <laughs> like a small gang. And so they came to me. They said, yes, you do. It's the second shelf down all the way over on the right. I said, I don't even know how they knew it was there because it's tucked behind stuff, you know? So, so anyway, they said, we know it's there and we want some. I said to them, I know for a fact that your mother would not want me to give you that chocolate, but I'll make an agreement with you right now. If you don't tell your mother about this, if you don't tell your mother about this, and this becomes our secret, I will bless you. I will bless you and I will give you what you want, right? Do you agree to my terms? They say, oh, I mean, they're like, whatever it takes. They say, yeah, we, we are in. We, you can trust us. I said, okay. So I dished out the chocolate and, and mom came home and she was going to make them some lunch or something. She walks in the door. It's about half an hour later. And she said, hey guys, what have you been up to? And they turn and they say, dad gave us chocolate. <laughs> And I said, you have betrayed me. I said, you liars. And this is the thing. They broke our agreement, right? So future blessings don't apply anymore because I don't trust them anymore. They're not going to get it, right? Now, a covenant agreement works the same way. When you've broken that covenant agreement, it's not like the next day you just wake up and say, give me another shot at it, right? Once a covenant is broken, that's it. It's done. It's broken. And if you know the story about Adam and Eve, they came and they, they took the fruit from the one tree that they went. Come on, guys. You had one job, one job. Don't eat the fruit. That's all you had to do. And they did it. And they broke that covenant agreement with God. When we do things that God tells us not to do, right? We call that sin. It just means it can mean a mistake. It means an error. It means, you know, you ju just left of center. And, and so Adam and Eve sinned. Now, what happened when they sinned is it changed their relationship with God. Okay. The question is, did God change? But hang on, just let's understand first. When they sinned, it did change their relationship with God. And as you start to look forward, in fact, this is not the only covenant that God ever made. Thank 
God because he made a whole heap of covenants. And I'm not going to tell you all of them today, but he made a, another covenant with a man named Noah. And, and he said, I'm going to save your family. I'm going to bless your family. Later on, he made another covenant with a man named Abraham. And, and, and his, his promise to Abraham was what? He said, I will make you the father of a great nation. I will bless you. I will multiply you. I will make your name great. And in fact, you are going to be a blessing to the nations that are around you. The crazy part to me is always this. No matter how many times people have tried to walk away from God, it seems to be apparent to me that he is fixed on blessing his people. No matter how many times they would break a covenant and turn their backs on him, it seems to be the case that he keeps coming back with another way to bless his people. And if you were here today and you have ever wondered the truth about God and the truth about how he feels about you, and you're here today and you know you don't have a good relationship with him, let me clear the the clutter for you right now. God's plan is to bless you. What God wants to do is have a relationship with you. He's fixed on it. It's your story. It's my story. My story is I did my best to walk away from God. He kept winning me back. Why? He kept trying to bless me. Bless me. So what do you really know about him? What do you really know to be true about God. See, whatever you think you know about God, that becomes your theology. A theology is just a word for how you believe God or what you believe to be true about God. And I've met almost everyone that I've ever met has a theology about God. Some of them are really good and informed. And others of them are not so good just because they're not as informed. And I mean people, particularly people that are not Christian, right, have no relationship with God at all. And if we've ever got into a discussion around what God is like, they start to describe to me, they start with this idea, like almost of the Genesis account, you know, well, God is big and he's powerful and he's this and he's that, and they start to describe him. But then they start to sometimes go off track and they're like, but he's more like an energy and, and like a vibe. And I mean, I've seriously, I've heard this stuff, right? And I say to people, where did you get, I mean, I see you have some ideas about God. Where did you get some of those ideas from? And they say, well, partially from the Bible, but then the other stuff just sort of felt right to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how about we make a decision not to be led by how you feel? I mean, if we're actually going to use the Bible as the the, the starting point and the origin of your revelation about God and who he is, could we not just detract from that and go off into how you feel the thing might work out or whatever? If we're going to be consistent, can we please just stick with the word of God and everything that that says to be true about him? I thought it might be, come on, I thought it might be important to mention to you guys today the way that I feel about the word of God. So what do I think about it? Well, 
the word that I would use to describe it, I, I, I believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of God in his word and his teaching. I believe that what's here is true and right and correct. This is how I approach the word of God. So sometimes in life, I find things that I think are going to contradict his word. Whenever that happens, I just want to let you know, I'm going to stick with this, okay? This is where I'm going to stay. This is where I'm going to camp. So I I thought if we're going to stick with this, then let's look at an Old Testament, right? Because the whole part of the questions were, hey, how come God is like, he's so uh, angry in the Old Testament and so chill in the New Testament, you know? Like, what, what is his deal? Why, why, what is his problem? Why, why? Anyway, right? I thought, well, hang on. Let's, let's look at the Old Testament angry God. We, I have a scripture for you guys this morning. <laughs> let's have a look at that. All right, so, so what does this say? First of all, Exodus Chapter 34, verses 6 to 7. A God, this is how they describe him, a God merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding. That's a word that I often like to use in contemporary language, abounding. I often find myself saying the word abounding. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands. This is the part that I particularly liked, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But at the same time, who will by no means clear the guilty? Now, I look at the Old Testament description of who God is, and I know that for some people, particularly people that maybe don't have a great relationship with God, they say, Where's all the fire and the hailstones and the lightning? Where is all of that stuff in there? Where is the angry God? And the thing is, is that this says, actually, no, no, no. He can get there, but he actually is slow to anger. But why does God get angry anyway? And part of the reason is, is because every time people break a covenant with him, there is a penalty attached to that. And in fact, Paul, he says it this way. He says the wages of sin, which is to make a mistake or to break the covenant, right? The wages of sin is death. I think I know why God is angry because he hates seeing people turn their back on promise and blessings and start to walk in the wrong direction and have to pay the penalty for their sins. In fact, here's what you should know about the gracious and merciful God of the Old Testament. In the book of Genesis, you would know the story, and I already explained it this morning, that Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, right, what's the penalty of sin? It's death, right? So then what did God do? Well, if you start to think back about the story, one of the things that he, he did, right, is that after they tried to sew together fig leaves and make a costume out of leaves, uh, God came back and he provided them with some animal skins, right? Have you ever considered where he got the skins? Yeah. He got the skins from somewhere, and it's not a trick question, They came off the back of an animal. Now, to everyone who's a vegetarian and PETA supporters and all the rest of it, 
I'm sorry about this, but God loves people more than animals, okay? And so what he did is that he would rather take the death of an animal in place of the death of the people. Now, even though they deserved it, he found he tried to find a way around it by sacrificing an animal. That's where he got the skins. Now, if you're new to church or you're hearing this for the first time, there's a part of this as you hear it and you go, well, that is just dumb, I mean, if you're a Christian for a long time, you already know this, so it just goes through your mind as fact, and it makes sense. Yeah, we, we, we understand that, right? But, but if you're hearing this for the first time, you're like, that is so dumb. You know what we should do? Get rid of it. Just throw the whole thing out. Throw out the whole penalty thing. Throw out death. I mean, come on. Is he God or is he God? Why doesn't he just build a bridge and get over it? I mean, come on. Why, is it, why does he have to take death as the penalty for sin? We, you know what we should do? We should just let people get away with it. But now we have another problem. Because if he lets people get away with it, then he's not righteous. Oh, that is a big problem. If we have a God who's not righteous, I don't know if you've ever really thought about it. You say, that's true. He, he wouldn't be righteous. All right, I got it. Here's what we're going to do. He should forgive some things, but not others. That's great. Just be kind to some people and not others. Forgive some sins and not others, right? But now we have another problem because he's not just and he's not consistent. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, But I think that we would struggle to worship a God who's so inconsistent that whenever you go to him, you have no idea what he's going to do. Is today the day that he gets angry and throws a lightning bolt? Or is he likely to forgive? I don't know. Depends. How's his mood? Is he happy today? Has he had enough, have enough prayers gone up to satisfy him? Like, I mean, come on. This is... See, this is the thing. If we, had a, if we really had a God like this, and I'm not, being, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. I know that, that, that when people can be bipolar and this is an actual you know, real uh, condition and illness, right? But imagine if God was bipolar and, and, and one day he was high and the next day he was low and, and you just had no idea how God was going to be. I mean, wouldn't this be something that worries you? Wouldn't this be something that concerns you? The truth is, I just don't think it would work. And so God is consistent. And even though he was consistent, Israel were not. And they said, we need to... Find a way to control this pathway to God better. We're not being consistent enough. We're making mistakes. So here's what they said. We need a better way to control this path. We need to make sure that we're always okay. I know. Give us rules. Yes. Rules. When have people ever said, give us rules? But they said, give us rules. He said, okay, 
enter into the Mosaic covenant, another covenant. What have we got? Well, 613 commandments, and the scriptures say that if you break one, you're actually guilty of breaking them all. So now they have all of these rules that they need to follow. Now, once they have all the rules and they understand everything, at the end of Moses' life, he does this incredible speech. And I want to read it to you, and it does go for a little bit. So if you haven't done your Bible reading this week, congratulations, I will catch you up today. And it says this in Deuteronomy, it's going to come up on the screens, but I'm going to read this out of my Bible. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And the Lord will make you, Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 9, and the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your cattle, and the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers. When, now, pay attention, right? When you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of law, and they had it, right? When you turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. I'm going to jump to verse 15. Moses then says to the people, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Again, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then, now here comes the blessing, attached to obedience, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you were entering to take possession of it. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, and this is God's heart. Please, you've got to understand this. Get this. He says, therefore, please choose life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. He said, the reason I read that whole passage out is because I think this is one of the best descriptions of God explaining the price of breaking a covenant. He says, you can enter into this covenant, and my heart is to bless you. I, I, I want to bless you, right? But, but if you go against me and you walk in the, in the wrong direction, you understand I can't bless that. Can you imagine for a minute, if God blessed people as they made bad choices, they would just continue to make bad choices. See, the thing that I've discovered about people and their relationship with God is that they keep getting in the way of his blessing. I was out with our kids when we went on holidays uh, just a couple weeks ago. We went out to a restaurant just on the foreshore there in, in Geelong. Nice place. And, and we're all eating lunch and having a great time. 
and the kids are having a great time. And then one of my children, and I'm not going to tell you who, but you might be able to figure it out, right? One of our children put food on the end of his fork and he flicked it. And it was a terrific shot. If he was hoping to hit the lady next to us eating her food, it actually bounced off her. I couldn't believe it. I looked at her. We exchanged like a what the, you know, moment. Like, I'm so sorry about this. I looked at one of my kids and I said to them, you had better get over there and apologize. And they just put their head down and they shook their head and they said no. Well, I didn't want to waste any time. So I decided to pull out like a, a serious and significant threat. And this is how we think sometimes as parents. I'm going to go in so hard on this threat that when they hear what's at stake, they will immediately repent and they will be so sorry because they wouldn't want to risk what's happening here, right? So I said, all week there will be no desserts. So harsh, right? I said, no dessert. And they still did not go over there and apologize. And then I have to count to three. And this is made, there's, about, there's about two minutes between one and three, you know? I don't know how that works either. But, but here I'm counting. And then I get to the end. Do you know, it wasn't until I said, you're done, right? After that, all oh, the repentance comes. Oh, the, the tears, the everything, you know? I said, it's too late. I said, you're done. You're, you, you, you're finished, right? You, you're, you're in trouble. You're not going to get... See, you were going to get blessed all week. You were going to get all that good stuff, but you've actually broken our trust, and now I'm not going to give it to you. I've been reading the Old Testament like all this year. I just keep reading the Old Testament going over it. And if you start to read the book of Kings and Chronicles and you read the thing that blows my mind is how many times God actually comes to people and says, would you just stop doing what you're doing and just repent? And I cannot believe it. It's like the scriptures. I feel like I'm like, did I already read this part? No, it just keeps happening in history. The kings, it says, and another king arose and he didn't go after the heart of his father and he turned against the Lord and they started worshiping idols and they rebuilt all the high places, which is where they'd worship demons. And you think they did it again. I'm like, I mean, where are they going to learn? I mean, they just keep having bad stuff happen. And then they're like, oh, we should repent. We should repent. They come back to God. They're like, I don't know what we were thinking back there. We were so crazy. I don't know. It wasn't me. It was them. But I'm so sorry. And, 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 and if you would forgive us. And he says, you know what? I'm going to forgive you. Next generation. Hey, forget all that crazy stuff dad talked about. And this is what we're going to do. Let's worship some more demons. Let's, let's rebuild the high places again and again and again. And they just keep breaking the things that God says. Here's something that I've learned to be true about life. Just because people know what's right to do, it doesn't actually give them a magical power and ability to obey it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've done it and so have I. There are times in your life, and maybe you today, right here, right now, where you know that there is stuff that was wrong, maybe presently, right now, it's currently wrong. And even though you know that, 
It still doesn't give you the power and ability to obey it. In fact, Paul said it this way. He says this in Romans chapter 7. He says, you know, a crazy thing happened when, when God gave us that, that next covenant with all the law. He said, we didn't actually know that all this stuff was wrong. And God pointed out the standard that he expected them to come up to if they were going to make it to him on their own. And it was too high. And he said, we, we didn't know all this stuff was wrong, but when we discovered that it was wrong, do you know the strangest things happened? When we figured out that something was wrong, we actually wanted to start doing it. We didn't really care about doing the wrong thing until we knew it was wrong. And then it was all we could think about. Now we want to do it. Paul says that it waged war on him. Now he just wants to do the wrong thing. You see, knowing what's the right thing and actually being able to do it is a, is a totally different idea. And the reason why I say this to you is because, number one, I know that everyone in this room has felt that. I know everyone in this room has felt it. And if you're not going to be honest with yourself, I'll tell you right now as the pastor of this church, I've felt it. I know what it's like to know that something is wrong and to make that wrong decision and do something that you know you shouldn't do in the first place. Everyone here knows that it's wrong. And I'll tell you what you really need to know. That stuff that's wrong is called sin. And you need to know that God will judge sin. He will judge sin. And when he does, we call that his wrath. We call that God's wrath. And God's wrath is simply the execution of his justice and his righteousness. Now, we have two words in the English language, but, it, but in the Hebrew language, it was just the same word. Just the one word. And you should know that this is the way that God operates. He doesn't separate righteousness from justice. They are the package deal to him. If he knows something is wrong, he will do something about it. And so one person, they asked this question. They said, well, how come we don't see God's wrath today? How come we don't see it always happening today? Well, Peter, he actually wrote about that. He said, I know that sometimes you think that God is slow to respond. Do you know what we call that? We call it patience. And the point of God's patience is that he's hoping that people will reach a place of repentance. He's not slow. It will come. He will judge sin. He will do it. You should know that today, someone is going to pay for your sins. Someone is going to pay for your sins. And if not you, then who? If not you, then who? Who would do that? Who would pay that penalty? I don't read an angry God in the scriptures. I don't read an angry God. I read a God that has always wanted to bless people, has always wanted to love people. Right? Those things, they'll, they'll never change, but it, we're looking at a God who knew that his system for the problem of sin, which is to take the life of an animal, it was, it was never going to be enough. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10 speaks about this. He says, you know what? The priest stands there and he offers the sacrifice of this animal. And he says, you know what it was? 
it was just a reminder that the blood of bulls and goats is never going to be enough to take away the problem of sin. The best we do is atone for it. But then we're back here next year all over again. It's not actually solving the problem of sin. God made covenant after covenant after covenant, agreement after agreement after agreement. Every agreement God has ever made was designed to try to separate you from sin. But then God said, I'm going to make a new covenant. And there's an entire page in your Bible that's devoted to those words. A blank page in your Bible, just so you wouldn't miss it. A new covenant, otherwise known as the New Testament. He wanted to make sure that that you would know what he was willing to do for you. You know, the Bible says that after all these failed attempts, in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it jumps and it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And if you don't understand what that means, no problem, let me explain it to you. The word, Word means Jesus. Let me, let me say it again. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, and Jesus became flesh, and he dwelt amongst us. And God decided what he was going to do is that he was going to create a a, a new covenant. If you want to know what God is really like, you should know that Jesus actually is God. And since Jesus is God, that he would never act in a way that God wouldn't. And so that if you want to know what the heart and the character of God is like, every time you saw Jesus's mercy, every time you saw Jesus's love, every time you saw Jesus's compassion, and you thought for a minute, I wish God was more like Jesus. You didn't know what you were saying because they're the same person. In fact, here's what Jesus said. He said, I only ever did that which I saw my father do. The Bible says that Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. And so if you ever thought that Jesus was kinder than God, then you don't know God because it's the same person. He is who he is. He acts in a way that's consistent with his character. And after seeing people's failure and failure with the covenants, I think my voice is fixed. After seeing, after seeing, people fail again and again and again. He said, I'm going I'm to write a new covenant, a new agreement, but people, you can't do it. So I will form both parties. I will be both God and I will also represent people. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It was Jesus and he lived that perfect life. The only one who didn't deserve punishment. And he gave his life for us. As he hung there on the cross, taking the weight of sin, the full wrath of God, the punishment for all sin, not just the sin that had happened up to that time, but forever, including this time, this age, 
this space. The Bible says that he became our propitiation. And if you don't know what that word means, it's no problem. It's really simple. I'm going to describe it to you right now. Because this is the most beautiful word I think I know. It means a sacrifice that turns God's wrath into blessing. He always wanted to bless you. And now he found a way to put you in a position of being forever blessed, continually blessed. Propitiation, a sacrifice that turned God's wrath into blessing. This is how the Bible says it. Let me read it. I'm going to read it so quickly. Out of John, 1 John chapter 4, he says this. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It was love that put Jesus on the cross so that people could be free. The question is, what should we expect? Not a God who's high and low. Not a God that's angry in the Old Testament and happy in the New Testament. A God who has forever and always loved his people and always found a way to separate them from sin. What should you expect? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us you should expect to find mercy and grace in your time of need. Can I tell you what mercy is? Mercy is what God does. It's his goodness towards people that are in misery and and struggling, right? Well, what is God's grace? Well, grace is God's goodness towards people that deserve punishment. What is God's patience? God, God's patience is his goodness towards people in waiting for them to reach a place of repentance and not punishing them early. But what is God's propitiation? What is his justice? What is justification? This is completely different. He found a way to not just continue to have the problem that exists, right? But to take people from where they are and put them in the position of being blessed by exchanging his perfect life for our sinful one. How does God feel about you? You should know if you've given your life to Jesus, he forever wants to pour out blessing in your life right now. Right now, right now. You don't need to ever ask that question again. Close your eyes for just a minute. Raise your hands right now. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that what you want to do is pour out blessing in the hearts of your people. That you are not the angry God of the Old Testament. You are slow to anger. You are full of grace. You are full of mercy. You are full of love. You are full of compassion. And you did everything to take us from where we were to the place that you wanted us to be in. I pray, God, for every every person with a hand that's raised right now that has wondered, maybe some of them have wondered, God, how do you feel about me? He wants to bless you. He loves you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. He sacrificed his own son to put you in that place. I pray that they would know it, that they'd receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hands down. The question, the question, the question was, does God change? Does God change? The answer is no. God has never changed. But the covenant did. And Jesus came. 
And that changed everything. That changed everything. Three things I want you to think about. Firstly, before I say that, we are living in an age of grace. The whole scripture, the whole counsel of God's word, it points to humanity's failure that is completely swallowed up in Christ's victory. I want you to remember these three things today. Number one, God loves you and he wants to bless you. That will never change. Number two, everyone fails. It's okay. I've done it. You've done it. We've all made mistakes. And God will judge those mistakes. But you get to choose how. And number three, and this is the last point. If you ask Jesus to forgive you for all your sin, he will do it. He gave his life for that. He will do it. And now, like Israel, only you can get in the way. Only you could get in the way of this. Why don't you stand to your feet? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.